Well, I just want to get started today by saying happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, the expecting moms, the moms, the stepmoms, the grandmoms, the, all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day. We're so grateful for you, so thankful for you, thankful for everything that you do at your homes. Thank you for everything that you, that you do within our church, that you make us a better, stronger church. Thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day. Well, to quickly review where we have been in this series, we believe that God wants you to have big faith in Him, that more than obedience, more than your knowledge of Him, that God wants you to trust Him with a big, bold, living, active, abiding faith in Him, that God wants to grow a relationship with you and grow your relational trust in Him. And because God knows that if you have that type of faith in Him, if you have a big, huge faith in Him, a real lasting relational trust in Him, you'll face life differently. You would face life better. You'd face temptation differently. You'd handle the rough circumstances of life better. You'd handle, the, 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 you'd handle stress differently. You'd walk through life and make decisions with a greater confidence that God is actually with you every single day of your life, and it would make everything about you, it would quite literally change everything about you if you had the type of faith that God wants you to have. And so what we've said over, over these couple weeks is that God has some consistent ways that he goes about growing that trust in him. So we're talking about these for a few weeks because God wants to use them, and we need to know how to respond when God actually uses these in our lives to grow our faith. So we've talked about practical teaching. We've talked about personal ministry. We've talked about private disciplines. And today we're going to talk about providential relationships. Now you may have noticed this if you're paying attention, but anytime, anytime you hear someone tell their story of faith or the story of their journey back to faith in God or times that their faith grew in big ways, the stories almost always involve phrases like this. Well, then I met this guy or this girl and they started asking me about blank. I had a professor in college that was really different from all my other professors and they seemed to kind of think, you know, and, and, and what I found out was they were a Christian. Maybe it's that mom remarried or step, and, and, and that your stepdad took you to church as a family. Maybe it's that this group of girls invited you to, to an event. Or maybe then you joined a team and you found out that a bunch of the guys on the team were Christians. Maybe you went through this really rough patch and the person who was there for you the most was a coworker who just so happened to be a Christian. Maybe you started working a new, at a new job and your manager was a Christian, but it, but like but like a cool one. Or maybe you, you hear stories like we moved and our, and our neighbors invited us to church or to this group or to this event, and 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 we started to take some steps back towards God. And what's what's most amazing and what's amazing is that is this is your story. You feel like God dropped those people or dropped those people or dropped that person into your life at exactly the right moment, at exactly the right time with just the right thing to say when you needed someone the most. And, and while their friendship was great, while their friendship was great, what makes you think that they were sent specifically by God is that they weren't just a great friend. They were part of you connecting or reconnecting with God or growing your faith in God. That's why we use the word providential when we talk about these providential relationships. And when I say a providential relationship, here's how we're defining it today. It's seemingly random relationships strategically planned by God to grow your faith and connection in him. A providential relationship is seemingly random relationship strategically planned by God to grow your faith and connection in him. If I, if I were to tell my story, I can't really tell my story of faith without talking about a guy named Ryan Skoog. I first met Ryan when I was 16 and uh, at, at, a, at a youth camp, and he was part of a traveling worship team, and he played the drums and the bass and the acoustic guitar and the electric guitar, and I just thought that was really, really, really cool, and then I didn't you know, see him again for a couple of years. I re-met him when I was 
20 years old as a sophomore in Bible college. And I had spent my first year of Bible college kind of drifting spiritually, like it, which, which, by the way, is easier to do than you would think at a Bible college. Um, I hadn't really connected with a church the way I wanted to. I was taking on some leadership responsibility on campus, but I didn't really feel very passionately about that. I was auditioning for uh, touring music groups that had nothing to do with what I had come to school for. Um, I was taking a heavy load of, of credits because I was trying to graduate in four years despite transferring colleges. Um, I was honestly pushing myself in a million different directions, almost none of them having anything to do with why I had come to college. So that fall, in my sophomore year of college, I knew I needed to pick a church and to connect with a church, and started. And I started attending this church called Cedar Valley Church, where Ryan happened to be the youth pastor. Pretty quickly, we hit it off, and he asked if I would be interested in joining the youth leadership team and potentially down the road, you know, maybe being a youth intern with them and learning through them. And as we talked, we had this kind of one-on-one meeting pretty quickly with this one-on-one, and he asked if I would be interested in doing all that. And I said to him, I don't. I have so much stuff going on. I don't know if I'd be able to commit the way that I think you want someone to commit. And I remember clear as day, he looked at me in this, you know, one of the very first times we'd ever talked one-on-one. And I remember he said, well, you know, I like, what did you come to Bible college for? Like, what did, what did you come to Bible college for? Did you come to do music or did you come to learn to be a pastor? Did you come to graduate in four years or learn how to be a pastor? Did you come to be involved in campus leadership or to learn how to be a pastor? And I'll never forget he said this. I wrote it down, but he, this is what he said. He said, I barely know you, but I know you're called to be a pastor and you need to learn to do it right. And so if you'll commit to this team, I'll give you everything I have got. And this church will give you everything we've got to help you fulfill God's call on your life. I mean, this is one of the first times that we had ever really had like a conversation. One of the first times that we talked one-on-one and he just absolutely read my mail. I know you're called to be a pastor. and I know right now you're moving in a whole bunch of directions that have nothing to do with that. If you want to be the pastor God's called you to be, this is what you need to do. And I just remember instantly in that moment, he brought incredible clarity uh, and focus to a 20-year-old dude who had lacked clarity and who lacked focus. And I knew in that moment that this guy would be an important part of me growing in my faith and growing as a minister. That was 17 years ago. And in the last 17 years, Ryan has continually been a massive influence on me and on my faith. Ryan taught me to pray big, bold, dangerous prayers. Like I grew up praying, you know, help me, protect me, bless me, protect me, bless me, protect me. And and Ryan taught taught me to pray dangerous prayers. Like, hey God, I don't need you to protect me. Like I know you're going to do that. I want you to move me into the dangerous things of the world. And I want you to lead me on an adventure of, of faith. Like to pray big, bold, dangerous prayers. Ryan gave me my first opportunities to speak and to lead in ministry. Ryan confronted me when I acted too big for my britches when speaking and preaching went well early on. He told me that I needed to work hard and not just rely on natural talent. Ryan was the first person in my life to say, I think you'll be a great youth pastor, but I think you'll make a better church planter. Before I even knew what church planting was, thank you, Ryan, for that. Although It's great. Ryan pastored me through a really broken heart when I was 22. Ryan bought me a replacement copy of The Notebook to mock me forever owning the notebook before my heart got broken at 22. Ryan was the best man, the best man at Jalen and my wedding. Um, and Ryan, in a, in a connection to all of you, Ryan was the person who set up the meeting for Jalen and I to pitch, um, to pitch the idea of Movement Church to Cedar Valley Church's board, who made the decision to bless us with $30,000 toward the start of Movement Church back in 2015. At 20, at 20, God dropped a redheaded, goofy guy named Ryan Skoog in my life at just the right time, and my life and my faith have never been the same. 
See, this is just one of those things. This is just one of those things that's just plain true. And we all kind of know intuitively that the most defining moments of our lives revolve around relationships. That the most defining moments of our lives all revolve around relationships. They have incredible power for good. Our relationships have incredible power for good to grow our faith, to sharpen us, to bring clarity, to bring focus to our lives, um, to be anchors that keep us from drifting when we want to drift, to inspire us to be a better version of ourselves, to help us understand things that we don't understand about God. That relationships, friendships with the right people have incredible power for good. You know that. Unfortunately, we also know that relationships also have power in the opposite direction. Let's be honest, most of us have had some moments where we felt like a person was not dropped into our life by God, they were dropped in our life by El Diablo. Like, like they, they were dropped by the opposite of God, like they were dropped by, by, by someone that was, caused, that was meant to cause us harm. And you know what happened when you were influenced by them. They didn't take faith seriously, so neither did you, and you drifted. They seem to be a constant source of temptation for you. And so you drifted into some things that you had that you never wanted to get involved with. They seem to constantly push you in directions that undermined your faith. And let's be honest, sometimes, sometimes those relationships are unavoidable, right? Like you'll probably at points of life be forced to work with people who believe differently than you, who have different moral standards than you, maybe you have no moral standards, people who are actively opposed to and people who mock your faith. There will be times and seasons of life where you are forced into situations and forced into to be in relationship with people. But let's be honest, let's be honest. Most of the seasons of life where you regret a relationship, you chose it in the first place. You chose it or you embraced it in the first place. If we're honest, many of the times that we wish we could change, they revolve around relationships that we chose because good or bad, good or bad, the most defining moments of our life revolve around relationships. We know for sure that people impact our lives and impact our faith. So the question that we should all be asking is simply this. How do you leverage that knowledge and that truth to actually grow your faith? If it's true that God wants to use relationships to grow your faith and to, and to place people in our lives to grow our faith, how do we use that knowledge? How do we leverage that knowledge and that, and that awareness to actually grow your faith? Because you should leverage this to grow your faith. Now, luckily for us, God's word has a great deal to say about this, has a great deal to say about this, about relationships that can benefit us and how to make us make sure they benefit and grow our faith and strengthen us, not push us down a wrong path. Three passages written by two of the wisest men who uh, in, in scripture and men who ever lived, inspired by the Holy Spirit, give us these three passages. Proverbs 13, 20, written by a man named Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, he wrote this. He said, the one who walks with the wise will become wise. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, we can read, we can really easily read this just as a description of what happens in life, because this is what happens in life. This is what happens in life. If you walk with wise people, if you walk with wise people, you will become wise. Woohoo! That's good news. Like, if you walk with the wise, you actually will become wise. If you run with fools, you will suffer harm. You would think that it would be in the, the, something differently. You, you'd think, well, if you walk with wise, you become wise. If you walk with fools, you become foolish. And that's probably true. But Solomon says what definitely happens is when you run with fools, you suffer harm. You suffer the consequences of being around foolish people. Now, this is descriptive. This is what happens in life. This is descriptive, but this is also instructive because Solomon wrote, wrote the book of Proverbs not just to describe life, but to help his sons be informed so that they could choose wisely in life. This was an imperative with a promise 
and a warning. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. That's a promise. If you walk with the fools, you'll suffer harm. That's a warning. And so the, the, the part that's inferred, the part that's instructed is this behind the scenes voice going, so choose, so choose to walk with the wise. Choose to walk with the wise. Choose to walk with the wise. Like this is, what, this, like this, this is a lesson. This is a description of what happens in life so that you'll know that you should walk with the wise. Choose to walk with those who make you better, not those who put you in danger. That's what Solomon is saying here. In the New Testament, a man named Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. He said this, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. This is that old thing about one bad apple. This is that old thing about a little bit of mold on a block of cheese. This is what I call relational gravity. Paul makes Paul writes this, that if you get around the wrong people, if you get around the wrong people, not only will you suffer their consequences, but your faith can take a hit. Your character can take a hit. Your integrity can take a hit. Your reputation can take a hit. Your relationship with God can take a hit. Paul would say this, when we get around great people, we quickly understand the effect that they have on our faith. But Paul alerts us to something that's true about us. When we get around the wrong people, we often ignore their effect on people, on, on us and around our faith. And Paul says, no, 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 do not be misled. In the same way that good people, great people, people of faith, impact and lift your faith, it, it works in both directions. And when you get around the wrong people, it impacts your faith just the same. Solomon and Paul, they would, they would both urge us, as they've been urging for thousands of years, they would urge us that we've got to pay attention to our peeps. We've got to pay attention to our peeps. Pay attention to who you surround yourself with. That the people that we surround ourselves with will impact our faith, will impact our life, will impact our character, will impact how we live out our belief. That the people that we surround ourselves will affect our faith. So we need to pay attention to our peeps. We need to pay attention to our circle. We need to pay attention to who has influence in our lives. Who do we pay attention to? Who are we listening to? Who has influence around our faith? Who do we listen to when it comes to faith and life and, and, and all of the things that come with that? Who are we listening? We need to pay attention to our peeps. I think they would encourage us to ask this really important question. And this is a question that I think we should all be willing to ask a lot more um, actively and a lot more consistently than we do. Am I being intentional or casual with my friendships? Am I being intentional or casual with my friendship? Some of us, we are far too casual with who we spend our time with. We are being influenced by proximity, not by intentionality. We are influenced by those who accept us, not by those who are best for us. And it's possible if you're being casual about your friendships and the influences around you, that you may be surrounded by fools and you will suffer harm. And worse than that, the very core of who you are may just take a hit. So are you being intentional or are you being casual with your friendships? And if you would answer that question honestly and say that you're being a little bit casual when it comes to your friendships and the people that you surround yourself with and it just kind of whoever's around and whoever accepts me and whoever I work with and that's who I spend a whole bunch of time with and I'm being just casual 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 maybe just maybe it's time to, to look in the mirror and challenge yourself to be more intentional about who you surround yourself with and so that leaves us with a question how do we do better like how like how do we get intentional about our relationships what should we be intentional about and solomon also had an idea there obviously solomon wanted his sons to walk with the wise but solomon also got more detailed about the value of friendship the value of friendship and how to build the right relationships the right friendships later in the book of ecclesiastes now in ecclesiastes chapter 4 solomon wrote this he said two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts for 
if either fails, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. He also said this, also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person alone keep warm? Now, this is, this is a fantastic verse. This is, just always triggers this memory for me. In Bible college, this is a Bible college pickup line. It works in Minneapolis in fe- February. Like, hey, girl, Ecclesiastes 4.11, you know, how can one keep warm alone? It works in Minneapolis in February. It does not work in Las Cruces in June, okay? Like, it, like, like we all know how one can keep warm alone. We're trying to keep warm. One, one cool alone. Okay, how can one keep cool alone? And that, and the Bible doesn't reference that. Okay, but so he says, how, like, like th- this is the value of two. There's value in two. There's value in two. And he says, and if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. Here's what Solomon's saying. There's value in two. There's value in two. There's value in our friendships. Our friendships do make us better. Our friendships make us stronger. Our friendships give us more value on our return our, uh, for, for our efforts, that when we work side by side with, one, with, with another person, that we can accomplish more than we can accomplish by ourselves, that there's value in two, that there's value in the two. But then Solomon ends this little part off with a verse that we should all pay attention to. And I've been surrounded by this verse my entire lives. It was on a candle that was in that was in that was in my parents' wedding. It was one of the verses read at my parents' wedding. I grew up knowing this verse because it was all over our house. It says this: a cord of three strands is not easily broken. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. See, Solomon would say, two is easy. Two is better than one, but it doesn't guarantee real good. See, having someone by your side doesn't guarantee that them being by your side is for your good. See, you can be physically warm, but spiritually dead. You can be physically lifted up, but spiritually pushed down. You can go further with someone else by your side, but you might be moving in the wrong direction. See, Solomon knew this, that who is in your two determines if you can be a cord of three. Who is in your two determines if you can be a cord of three. A cord of three strands, Solomon said, is not easily broken. And so we go, wait, wait, wait. So was Solomon just saying that groups of three are stronger than a pair? Like, sort of, but not really. What Solomon wrote was that two people with their lives revolving around God forms a cord of three and it cannot be easily broken. See, what Solomon knew is that if you love God, but they don't, you can be a nice cord of two, but you cannot be a cord of three. Solomon knew that if you're focused on living for Jesus, but they're not, you can be two, but you can't be three. See, three looks like this. You love God and they love God. You're focused on following God, so are they. You have revolved your whole life around following Jesus and they have revolved their whole life around following Jesus. And you and them and Jesus make a friendship that not only makes you better, it's a bond with eternal value. You have revolved your life around Jesus. They have revolved your life around Jesus, their life around Jesus. And when you both get together and you've both revolved your life around Jesus, this is true in friendship, this is true in marriage, this is true in parenting, this is true in any type of relationship, that the best relationship, the strongest relationships that you can have are relationships where it's not just you and another person, but it's you and another person who are both revolving your lives around God and around Jesus himself. See, here's what I think Solomon and Paul were ultimately getting at. Proximity to godly people allows God to establish relationships that grow your faith. 
See, the people that you prioritize, the people that you stay closest to over time, the people that you allow to be voices of influence in your life, it matters. You choose them. And if you want God to use people to grow your faith in Him, it matters that the people that you have, that have the most influence, the people that you spend the most time with, that they are people that love God and follow God and love others in the name of Jesus and serve others in the name of Jesus and connect to the local church. It matters. And they would say, you need to surround yourself. You need to have proximity to people who are on the same path. If you want God to use people to grow your faith the way that God wants to use people to grow your faith, you need to surround yourself by people of faith. You need to surround yourself with people of faith, people who will challenge you, people who will stretch you, people who will confront you, people who will encourage you, people who will speak life and hope and truth, that those are the people that you need to surround yourself with. With. So the question is this, how do we leverage this? One thought I have and then two things to tell you. The first one is, the, the, the thing I want to say is simply this, one thought, is that the right voices come from the right places. The right voices come from the right places. The right voices are found in the right places. So you can't orchestrate a providential relationship. You can't determine when and how God drops the right person with the right thing to say to grow your faith at just the right time. You can't, you can't orchestrate that, but you can consistently put yourself in environments where the right voices are going to be present. This is a big part of why, why regular involvement in church matters so much. It puts you around great people who may just end up being some of the most important voices in your life. This is why small groups matter so much. It's where the big thing of Sunday becomes personal and becomes real life flesh and blood discussions and doing life together. Parents, this is why it's so important to, as, as we talk about reopening environments for kids and students, this is why it matters so, so, so much to have your children regularly involved in these environments because they form relationships and friendships with that will serve them well and point them to Jesus with leaders and with, fellow, with, with, with other kids their own age who will be growing in Jesus together. This is why it's such a big deal. And now you might hear me say that and you go, well, wait, wait a minute, like that's, that's great and all, but that, well, that would be great. But right now we don't have small groups going yet and we don't have kids ministry going yet. Like we don't have those going on. So how do I get in a small group when small groups aren't happening? How do I get my kids in environments that aren't happening yet? And if you're wondering those questions, I actually have some really good news that I want to share today at the end of this sermon. I have some great news. Sunday, June 6th is a big day in the life of our church. That is going to be our official movement summer launch. And on that day, small groups come back. Small groups come back Sunday, June 6th. We'll make sure to let you know how you can get connected. And I'm sure there's, there's probably some of you who are watching who might be thinking like, hey, I don't know that I'm so ready to get back in person with some groups. Are there gonna be some virtual options? I'm sure there will be virtual options. We're still working out some of the details. So we'll make sure that you're well informed of how you can get connected in groups, whether it's virtual or in person. But we wanna make sure that we get back in groups. We're incredibly excited about this because it gets us back into community. It gets us back into relationships. It gets us back into community beyond Sunday morning and beyond cameras and, and, and beyond you know, screens. It gets us back to real community with other people who are following Jesus. And that gives us an opportunity to be around and to be in proximity with people that God wants to use to grow your faith. So Sunday, January, June 6th, not January 6th, Sunday, June 6th is a big day for the life of our church because small groups are coming back. And for all you parents out there, for all you parents out there, parents of, 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 of preschoolers, this is a big deal as well. Sunday, June 6th is also the day that Little Movers is back. 
bells and whistles going off, bow, 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 you know, like all the stuff going on right now. We're incredibly excited to, to welcome our preschoolers and, and the families with preschoolers back into our church and to have environments designed specifically with our littlest ones in mind. After working with for a long time with Hotel Encanto, we finally have some space where we can open up and, and welcome back our preschoolers and focus on helping them develop a real, lasting, lifelong faith and communicate the truth that God loves them and they can trust Him with their life and he wants to be their friend forever. Like these are great truths that we want to know. We want to continually surround our preschoolers with truth and surround them with people who love them and surround them with other, other students who will help them grow in their faith. This is a big deal. We're incredibly excited for this. This is a big deal as we continue to reopen our church. And we're hopeful that shortly after that, that some that sometime in the near future after that, maybe in the middle of the summer or beginning of the school year, that we will be able to open movement kids, our elementary environments as well. We are excited to be getting people back to a relationship, getting back to community, because that's how God grows our faith. It's one of the key ways that God wants to grow our faith. So here's the thing. God wants to use people to grow our faith. God wants to use people to grow our faith. God wants to leverage providential relationships to grow your trust in Him and to grow my trust in Him. And it's time to form some three-stranded cords in your life and lean into the ones that already exist and let God do what God has wanted to do all Along because God wants to grow your faith and God wants to use some of the people around you to do it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you use people that you have surrounded us with to grow our faith in you. God, help us to be wise and help us to be intentional, not casual, about how we develop our friendships, about who we involve in our lives, who we surround ourselves with. God, help us to be intentional. Help us to be paying attention to who are the voices we pay attention to. Who, who are the people that we listen to? Who are the voices that have influence in our lives? And God, I pray that you would help us to be intentional to make sure that those voices are voices that lead us to you, voices that grow us and, and move us closer to you, voices that challenge us and, and grow us and strengthen our faith in you because God, we know that's what you want to do already. So help us to pay attention to who's in our two so that we can be a cord of three, so that we can form relationships that ultimately revolve around you and draw us closer to you and lead us closer to you and lead us towards living for you every single day of our lives. God, help us have wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today. Help us have the courage to actually put it into practice. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' strong name. Amen.